0: I would like to refer you back to the passage that was read earlier, which is 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, the 12th through the 19th verses. We're continuing to work our way through the Apostles' Creed, and we've come now to the affirmation of the Creed, which says, I believe in the resurrection of the body. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is dealing with some Corinthian Christians who were confused about this very issue. It appears that there are some people in Corinth at this point in time who are teaching that there's no future physical resurrection of Christians. They may be teaching that the future resurrection is spiritual only, or they may be teaching that the resurrection of which Christ spoke has already occurred in their new birth, so that they uh, uh, have uh, been spiritually raised from the dead, and that uh, that was the only resurrection that they could anticipate. There's several reasons why that kind of view may have grown up in Corinth. Uh, We do know that this kind of teaching was very popular in parts of the Mediterranean world in the second half of the first century, uh, throughout the second century. And many of the early Christian fathers and church fathers had to speak to this particular view. No doubt this explains why this affirmation would find its way into the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed uh, is affirmed uh, just around the world uh, as containing the essentials of the Christian faith. And the Apostle Paul has to respond to that kind of wrong-headed way of thinking in 1 Corinthians. And so we read, and with this background in mind, hear these words of our Lord. Here's the word of God. Now, if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how does some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, We are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If, in fact, the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins then those also who have fallen asleep in christ have perished if we have hoped in christ in this life only we are of all people most to be pitied this is god's word and may add his blessing to it let's pray lord As we bow before you at this time, we ask that you open our eyes to understand the truth of your word. As it is set forth for us today, this explanation of the resurrection of the body to glory of those uh, in Christ, we pray that those who now believe would be strengthened in their hope and that those who do not believe would be drawn to faith in Christ, that they might become sharers in this glorious hope. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You, know, There are two questions, at least, that every human being needs to ask himself or herself from time to time. The first one is, what about death? And the second one is, what is my hope? So what about death and what do you think about death? And where is your hope? What is entailed in your ultimate hope? It's these two questions that I want us to uh, meditate upon as we look at this passage today, as we consider the meaning of these words in the Apostles' Creed, when we confess and affirm as believers I believe in the resurrection of the body. First of all, how do you view death? What is the Christian view of death? Do you hold a Christian view of death? You know, every worldview chokes on this very point. It can't do justice to death. Only Christianity can do justice to death. But secondly, what is your hope? What comes after this life? The Apostles' Creed stresses what Christians believe comes after life, and it stresses the physicality of that afterlife. But to understand and stress the creed, or the the stress of the creed, on our bodily resurrection, we need to understand that in 1 Corinthians the Apostle Paul's emphasis on the bodily resurrection and the significance of that hope. uh, You have to understand what the Bible teaches about death in the first place. And so that is what I want you to do today, what I want to carry us through today. I want you to look with me for a few moments uh, at what the Bible teaches about death. And then I want to look for a few moments about what Paul speaks as the Christian hope. It is in pondering death that we really begin to see the need in our personal need for Jesus. I can remember this became a very important thing for me when a first cousin of mine died at the age of 33. Everything was going for him. He had finally married his girlfriend and uh, everything was looking good. And then he was driving down Memorial Drive, I believe it was, and had a heart attack, died, and ran off the road into a ditch. And he was gone. 33 years of age. Interestingly, that's exactly the same age that Jesus was crucified. And it began, and I was in the claims profession at that time, and I was dealing with people dying at all different ages all the time. And it made me start really wondering, why is it that it's we, we just see death as such a horrible thing, and whenever we see someone young pass away, uh, it's like they've been cut off, like they have been uh, somehow uh, denied a lot of life. And I began to, I remembered I had a, uh, one of my grand, my grandfather on my mother's side was in his fifties when he passed away. And yet he had had such a complete life and it's because of his connection with the Lord. And you could just see the Lord in him in different ways. I mean, he was his generosity and his love, uh, just so many things about him that even though he was in his fifties. His life was so full, and he left such a legacy. Anyway, as I began to think about all these things and just ponder them, it hit me. We don't know how long we have on the face of this earth, and a life is only as long as it is lived. All we know of that we have is right now. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow, no matter what our age. And so it finally dawned on me, and this is what really began to get me thinking about the Lord, is that a life, as I said, is only as long as it's lived. And because of that, we need to make sure we live it in the right way. And we need to make sure that our life every day is lived the way that it should be lived. And this is just it. We cannot live that life apart from Jesus. Anyway, that's one of the things that got me to seeing what was really important and what was not. And then you've heard some of the rest of it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. But I had to recognize and embrace my mortality. And until we accept the fact that we're going to die, we cannot really begin to live. But once we embrace that one of these moments, we're going to die. If we have made the right choices and the right decisions from that point on, we're ready and we're ready. You know, uh, I've been uh, taking some medicine They've tried. Doctor tried to get my cholesterol down. He just works on my cholesterol. It just bugs him. And uh, the thing is, I'm fine, but it just bugs him. And uh, but every kind of medicine I take just is horrible. It has this horrible effect on my life and uh, makes life really hard. But when I quit taking it, I feel fine. And so I've discovered there's a difference in quality of life and length of life. And uh, I opt for quality. Okay, and I just told the doctor this on the phone the other day when I called him up. I said, you know, I had rather die younger than live a life of misery for a long time. You know, I'm ready. He didn't really know what to do with that. But uh, the thing is, is that's just the way it is. If we are keeping short accounts with God, then we don't have to worry. And those people that maybe you're worried about that you may leave behind, God loves them more than you do. And he'll take care of them, too. So uh, with all that behind, let's look at, first of all, the Christian view of death. Death, as far as the Bible goes, is far from natural. It's not the natural order of things. It is life's one certainty, to be sure, but it is a destroyer. Death is a penalty of sin. It's not a natural thing. Our generation tends to cope with death by denial. There are different ways that people cope with death. Some people look at death in all its tragedy and all its humiliation, and they seek after comfort in this life because they have no hope beyond the grave. Others, however, spiritualize that afterlife or that afterlife, and they speak of death as simply uh, being a portal to another dimension. Uh, It becomes a new phase in our reality in which our consciousness is merged into another consciousness. And you get a lot of this in the New Age and Eastern teaching in our days. And it's impacting the way that we think. You remember what that great theologian Forrest Gump said about death? I think it was his mother who taught him that death is just part of living. Now, we understand the common sense aspect to that particular statement, but taken strictly, it's wrong. Dying was never God's plan for living. Dying was no part of the original creation for human beings. Dying is an alien entrance into this world order Because of the moral defection and failure and rebellion of humanity. Paul puts it this way in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. uh, The Lord had told Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden, one tree, if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. They rebelled and they ate from that tree. Death and destruction entered into a perfect world, and death has been taking its toll ever since. Death is the consequence of the entrance of sin into this world. Apart from sin, there is no death. Dying isn't a part of living. It's a part of the fall. And because dying is a part of the fall, the Bible refuses to to, uh, to settle for a sanitized, candy-coated view of death. And the Apostle Paul has a stark view of death apart from Christ and the resurrection here in verse 19. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. And here the Bible is saying that if Christianity cannot deal with the issue of death, if Christianity has no hope on the other side of death, if there's no victory over death in the gospel, then Christianity is a miserable failure. Now, when you run into Christian teachers today who say things like, what happens after life isn't so important, it's how you live this life. Well, that couldn't be more alien to the Apostle Paul. Yes, it's important how you live this life. The Bible makes that clear. But your hope is beyond this life. And the Apostle Paul says, if the hope I am preaching is a hope only for this life, then pity me and pity anyone else who calls themselves a Christian. You see, if death is really final nothing is worthwhile except self-indulgence and the apostle paul says uh, that himself in first corinthians 15 32 if the dead are not raised let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die so paul doesn't take the view of christianity that says look If Christians turn out to be wrong and there isn't a resurrection and there isn't a heaven and there isn't a future embodied experience of God forever and ever, you really haven't lost that much. You're a much nicer person and you've made the world a better place. You've led people into a lot of moral truth. And it's pretty good life, really. And the Apostle Paul says to that, rubbish, if there's no resurrection of the dead, save me a spot at the bar, because I'm going to live for me if there is no resurrection. Forget Christianity if there is no resurrection. If we hope in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. The Christian view of death is that it is a certainty in this fallen world. Yes, it is unnatural, though. It is the penalty of moral defection, and the Christian view of death involves contemplating uh, it in all its ugliness and all its penalty. And yet, with that kind of realism, the Paul can turn around and say to the Corinthians, be assured that the solution to death is found in Jesus Christ. God came into our world clothed in our humanity, carrying our sins, dying in our place, being buried and raised again from the dead so that all who trust in him share in his resurrection. The Christian hope is not for some disembodied future spirit world, Paul says, but in our own bodies to see God. Now, there is an in-between those of us who die in Christ before the Lord's return. And, uh, and that, again, is, is just demonstrated in Jesus Jesus died a physical death. His dead body was stuck in a tomb. But during those three deads, his spirit was very alive. And we're going to talk about this in detail later on. When we talk about he descended into hell or into Hades or into uh, Sheol. And uh, the thing is, is that there is, it says to be, Nowadays, since the Lord's resurrection, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Even our bodies are in the ground, we're present with the Lord, because paradise has been moved to heaven. And so yes, there is this time whenever we have spiritual, uh, awareness, just like Jesus went and preached to those held captive in, uh, in paradise and in Sheol, and, uh, and people that died before, uh, or the, before Jesus died on the cross, they had the opportunity to receive what he did on the cross for their sins, just as much as all of us who now live afterward. The cross is a focal point in time and in history. It reaches back. It reaches forward because of what Jesus did during those three days while he was on the ground. All those people before now come to know him as Savior. And it says he led captivity captive. Finally, you see, apart from him, they couldn't. Paradise couldn't be in heaven. It had to be in show. So paradise moved from the holding place down in in Shoal into heaven. And so now, yes, your loved ones that uh, died in Christ uh, and, and their bodies are now in the ground, they will rise again and their bodies and their spirits will be rejoined just as whenever Jesus was resurrected, his spirit and his body were joined back together and he became a very different Person, and we're going to talk about that. But I just want you to know there is this interim time and Jesus experienced that interim time as well. And he was so busy in the interim. We don't know what we what we're going to be looking at even in the interim time. But it's going to all be good. So uh, Paul uh, takes uh, the fact that, uh, well, let's see, I'm going to back up a little bit. As I said, the Christian hope is not ultimately for some disembodied spirit world, but in our own bodies to see God. And that hope is found in the Old Testament. You don't have to turn very far. Job 19, 25 through 27. Job says in the midst of his pain, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last he will take his stand on the earth. And even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh, I shall see God. And the Apostle Paul takes that and elaborates on it in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and then 42 through 44. And he tells us that there is a mystery. And that mystery is that we're not all going to sleep We're not all going to die a physical death. Some of us are going to be alive when the Lord comes, and some of us are going to die, but all of us are going to be changed. He explains this. How are the dead raised? What kind of body do they have? The same as Jesus' death and resurrection, so also is our death and resurrection. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. The Apostle Paul says that it is the hope of everyone who hopes in Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, ascended, and reigning at the right hand of God, that everyone who trusts in him who was raised will be raised in our bodies. It's part of the Christian hope, not just for some future disembodied state where we float in ethereal space, but to be embodied again, soul and body united in the praise and service of our Redeemer. Except the Apostle Paul says, it's going to be like going from a jalopy to a Rolls Royce. This body, let's face it, is falling apart. Uh, This body that bears the marks of a fallen world the bodies of our loved ones, we look at and we see the imprint of the fallen world upon them in disease, in physical breakdown, in illnesses. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that the glory of the promise of God in the resurrection of the body is that Alzheimer's patient that maybe you help take care of, your father, your mother. There's going to be a day when in Christ... All who trust in him, all who have been ravaged by that horrible, horrible disease, the long goodbye, they call it, will be changed and transformed. And you're going to see them not only fully themselves again, but you're going to see them in a glory that they had never seen in their physical body. And that Down syndrome child, and for some reason, People are trying to just discard down syndrome children. Now that down syndrome child who you love with all your heart, you're going to see him. You're going to see her with physical powers that you've never ever imagined manifested in this life. And that child who died at age four and never had the opportunity, you never saw, got to see that young man, that young woman grow up in grace and in strength. You're going to see them and you're going to see uh, him or her in the full flower and power of manhood and womanhood. And those cancer victims, those who've been crippled, uh, maybe even paraplegics for years, you're going to see those bodies transformed. I love that song, I Can Only Imagine. Will I Dance Before You, Jesus? Every time I I hear that song. I think of uh, a dear friend who died with ALS. He condensed before the Lord now. That's great. I can only imagine. Those who've been harassed by psychological, chemical, and hormonal, and uh, emotional imbalances. You're going to see them transformed. Because you see... Jesus doesn't want just your soul transformed. He wants that, but it's not just his soul that is to be transformed. He wants all of you, not just everyone here, but every wit and part of you transformed so that in your whole person, you will be with him and praise him forever if you trust in him. And that's the hope that's before us, not a disembodied, immortal soul, but a soul and body united, serving Christ forever. Every believer, Paul says, will at the final resurrection be raised or changed in glory. Thomas Vincent puts it this way, Our bodies shall be most healthful and strong and spiritual and incorruptible and immortal and most beautiful and glorious. Next Sunday, brothers and sisters in Christ around the world will be singing with all their hearts, Christ the Lord is risen today. It's number 302 in our hymnal. And in verse 4, Charles Wesley underscores the significance of Jesus' resurrection for us when we sing these wonderful words. So are we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head, made like him, like him we rise. And let me pause there. How is Jesus in human body, in glorified body, sitting at the right hand of the Father Almighty? Just think of it. Robbie Duncan in the 19th century said, the dust of the earth sits on the throne of heaven. Think of it. There is a human being Now sitting glorified at the right hand of God. Made like Him, like Him we rise, Charles Wesley says. Ours the cross, the grave, and the skies. Do you see the logic? If we've trusted in Jesus Christ, then His cross is ours in more ways than one. It's the way of salvation but it also becomes for us a way of life. Take up your cross and follow me, he says. All the losses and crosses of life and the physical maladies and afflictions of the body, they're ours. Ours, the grave. He dies for us and we follow him in death. Ours, the cross, the grave, but also the skies. If his cross is for us, And if we follow in that way, if his grave is for us and we follow in that way, so also his going to the skies is for us and we follow him there. Ours, the cross, the grave, the skies, we're transformed. That is the Christian hope. In our bodies, we see God. That's the Christian hope. We see one another in all the transforming power of God's grace. And here's something interesting. Though our bodies are transformed in him, we're told in the book of Revelation, his body still bears the marks of his death. In a beautiful historical hymn, referred to as the sins of time are sinking, Samuel Rutherford writes, i will not gaze at glory but on my king of grace not at the crown he gifteth but on his pierced hand think of this in glory your bodies the body of your loved ones in christ perfect the body of your savior still bearing those marks of his death now right now those marks connect us to God uh, while we're still in this fallen world reminding us and will actually reminding him of what it's like down here. He still identifies with us even though he is ascended. He still bears the marks that show what's going on down here. But then after the resurrection, after all this is over, then They will remind us through all eternity of the purchase price of our glorified bodies and the depths of his love. We have hope because we believe in the resurrection of the body. Let's pray. Oh Lord, as we trust in Christ today, grant to us a stronger hope than we have ever had before in the future resurrection of our bodies. And if there are those who are hearing these words today who are not in Christ, if they haven't trusted in him, if they're hoping only in this life, turn their eyes away from themselves to the only hope, the firstborn of the resurrection, Jesus Christ, the only true Lord. Help them to trust in him and then in Him find a new and living hope. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.